into sports. 20 yards out, Urshan shoot, don't shoot! Oh, what a goal from Fabinho! Wow! Then get into the all-new OTB Sports app. I think when he apologises to me, I probably will say hello to him, yeah. No. Videos, sports news, live scores, interviews. If Abregas is going to come up to me in the street and give me some of a mouth that he would have given me on a football pitch, what do you do? You get a slap. Plus exclusive content on the OTB Podcast Network. The biggest names in sports. Ready when you are. Search OTB Sports on your app store and download it now. The OTB Podcast Network. With Green Farm on the go. Snack smart with 100% natural protein-powered chicken bites. Shame that will care. You keep all the fans down. Can we not lock it? It's a fact. I love playing mind games. I'm talking about facts. I always said if I was Aladici, I would probably say I was more of a tactical genius. Well, I answer questions on anything uh, religious, <laughs> politics, uh, health, you know, sexual uh, problems. Look at his face! Just look at his face! None of you except for those two have done anything to justify the money that you earn. None of you, this one. And I suggest you shut up and show more football. Now then, welcome along to Team 33, the football happy hour here in Off the Ball. I hope you're all keeping well. Per Frank Lampard, eh? Less than a year and a half into the job that he worked all his life to earn. And he feels the wrath of his friend, Roman Abramovich. We'll be talking about that sacking and the manager merry-go-round a little later on. But first, let's look at some of the football news from the week. Thomas Tuchel is, of course, the new Chelsea manager. And he had his first game during the week in a nil-all draw against Wolves. Mason Mount, the standout absentee from that starting lineup, And live footage has now emerged of the youngster reacting to the news of Frank Lampard's sacking. Delicious. <laughs> Pickle is obviously someone that has been linked with a move to England for so long now, but we finally got a glimpse of the man himself after the World's game. Let's have a listen to his post-match interview. You cannot imagine the last maybe 48, 48, 72 hours were uh, like uh, yeah a bit surreal so that we are right here now and uh, playing a match with with Chelsea is is amazing but at the same time was was crazy crazy last days I mean you've only had one training session with this team yeah. what message have you been able to put across what have you learned from we about these, this team <laughs> we will see if I put <laughs> any messages across we will see uh, well, I was I was happy to be on the pitch because I feel I feel best on the pitch, and this is the best moment to to get known to players because they feel comfortable. So we took the possibility, and uh, we took the possibility. And then there's nothing to be afraid of. We 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 try to work on some details and uh, encourage the guys to 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 do their best today. And it was it was clear when we are here, uh, we will be at the sideline and take the take the possibility to coach. We've seen you, obviously, with, with Dortmund, we've seen you with PSG, and I suppose for a lot of Chelsea fans, they're quite curious to know what your playing style is. What, uh, what will Chelsea under Thomas Tuchel look like? I hope we will, uh, we will attack and we will play a brave football and we play, we play for scoring and for creating chances. At the same time, when I think about Chelsea football, and, and uh, it's an intense game, it's, uh, it's a game with mentality, teams with mentality, winning mentality, who can uh, also defend hard and defend strong and, and, and compact and solid as a group. 
we want to we want to create this i think uh, we see a lot of uh, talent we have a good mix of of uh, experience of personality and of young players and of course we want to encourage them to play to play attacking style to to be active in in all moments of the game now this is just my personal opinion but a manager who is well known to be an authoritarian who lacks full control of the club and has fallen out with every single board he's worked under I think he's going to be a huge success at Chelsea, to be honest. Elsewhere, you know him as Big Sam, but to others, he is simply known as a genius. At least that is what Pep Guardiola referred to him during the week. Sam Allardyce is a, is a genius to, to take this, these teams when everybody believes it's, it's over and, and get results. So, and what happened once, twice, three times, you can see, okay, it's lucky. But it's not the case because I've done I don't know how many times. So, but in the same time, so no much time for the tough game against Cheltenham. And but uh, today the training session was really good and uh, optimistic to to take a bus tomorrow, travel to to West Bromwich and and uh, yeah and try to do a good game. If that wasn't surprising enough across the red side of Manchester, United lost to bottom of the league Sheffield United during the week, turning them immediately from title contenders to relegation battlers in one big swing because that is how football works nowadays, isn't it? Liverpool's unbeaten run at home also came to an end when they lost during the week to Burnley and here's a taster of some of the Liverpool fan reaction. When people now ask me if I like football, I say yes, I do like football, but not Burnley. Burnley can f*** off. Now, Liverpool did get back to winning ways on Thursday night with a win against Tottenham. That brings their total victories for football up to three for this year, breaking their record from last season off two. Here's how Jurgen Klopp reacted to that win. It's always a mix. It's always a mix. And um, that the boys want to do well is clear that we as coaches have to tell them uh, what they have to do together in specific moments is clear as well. So... Um, I'm completely happy about the performance, and yes, it's about the boys. They did really, they did, they, they put a proper shift in. The the the, the, the tricky stuff is how you how you saw. Thankfully, that it was a brave performance, and in a game against a counter-attacking monster, what they are um, is makes it even more special. So far tonight, it was really good. And finally, to Scotland, there's been more change at Celtic with Chief Executive Officer Peter Lall announcing his retirement at the end of the season. It brings an end to his 18-year reign at the club, where they won 23 domestic trophies. Neil Lennon has not taken this news well and fears that he will be next. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. The show goes on. This is my home. Yeah, it's not looking good for Neil Lennon. It's probably a matter of when rather than if in terms of his Celtic career coming to end. That is all the football news for the week. Up next, we're talking Frank Lampard. Team 33. This is OTB Sports Radio. Now, welcome back to Team 33. If you want to get involved in the show tonight, text us on 53106 or you can tweet us at Team 33. That's all spelled out in words. So Frank Lampard has been sacked by Chelsea. It came during the week with Thomas Tuchel taking over the club. He took his first game on Wednesday night against Wolves. Adrian Barry made a great point on off the ball though earlier on this week about what 
is next for Frank Lampard and I am all on board with this take. He's going to be the next Sam Allardyce, by the way. That's, that's the, that is the route. <laughs> that's his MO. That is the route. Honestly, I'm, I, 100%. Like, that's the route for Frank Lampard now. Like, uh, those clubs that you mentioned, Richie, they are not going to take a punt on him. No, no. There's none of the big European clubs that are going to go for him. He has to do a job that is possibly beyond him and most other managers, which is like some sort of a Roy the Rovers mm. manager thing now with a, with a, with a dec- with a, an average club over the next while and bring them into unlikely places. It all seems unlikely. Adrian Barry there on Off the Ball earlier on this week. Is Frank Lampard the new Sam Allardyce? Is he on the merry-go-round of football managers? Kieran Bradley and Ronan Mullen are on the line with me now to discuss. Kieran, is this a good thing or a bad thing to be compared to Sam Allardyce? Or is it a good thing that he will get a job now, regardless of how bad he does, like Sam Allardyce? The fact is that he did some really, really good work in his early career. Like the Bolton achievements were by far better than anything the likes of Frank Lampard has done. And, and at least until this stage, someone like Steven Gerrard. And obviously there are different factors at play there. Um, but Allardyce, you know, he he earned his chops like uh, at various um lower league clubs, Blackpool being one of them. And the Bolton stuff was was phenomenal. Like he did really well. And and a lot of people forget that prior to him getting the Newcastle job in I think it was two thousand seven he was, you know, he was being touted for a lot of very big jobs. Um, and that Newcastle one was a bigger prospect at the, uh, at the time than it is now. So I actually think it's unfair on Allardyce, frankly, um, for, for Lampard to be chucked in this mix because there's a lot of things that we we will say about Lampard, I'm sure, but um, at the very least, what we can say is that he was overpromoted, uh, and and this is what happens when you you don't have that well of managerial experience to draw on. Yeah, look, I'm I'm being slightly unfair on Allardyce and a couple of others there when I said they no matter how bad a job they do, but essentially what I'm talking about is the miracle round of Roy Hudson, Sam Allardyce, Alan Pardew. And there's probably a few more that I'm forgetting to throw in there. But essentially it is they get a job because of jobs that they did previously and they might stay there for a year and a half and then they'll get sacked inevitably. But no matter how many times they get sacked, they keep coming back and keep getting jobs. And what I'm trying to put forward now is the hypothesis that Frank Lampard is now either joining that merry-go-round or he is the first manager of the Frank Lampard, Stephen Gerrard, Scotty Parker, all these guys who are now in the the England Eng, former English players who are now managing, who will throughout their careers now, no matter what they do, because of who they were, they will get a job. It's an interesting one, like the parallel we're drawing here, because I think it is true that this is the beginning of Lampard's managerial career and we probably would have thought something similar of the likes of Gareth Southgate when he was at Middlesbrough and it didn't quite pan out that way he's sort of stumbled into the England senior management job like he was given the under 21s which was never really a high profile appointment and they did work with them but it was just the nature of how things went wasn't it the Allardyce situation which sort of segued Southgate into that permanent appointment so he sort of fell into it I think Lampard would probably have to rehabilitate himself in a similar fashion, Stephen Gerrard to Rangers. But the difference between these lads and uh, the likes of Allardyce and Pulis and Pards and Curbs is these are reputational appointments. So Lampard, as you touched on at the top, ended, got the Chelsea job because he's Chelsea's all-time leading goal scorer. 
like it wasn't off the strength of what he had done at Derby. He needed to say, you know, a big, yeah. big budget and didn't get them promoted. Um, and Gerard, similarly, you know, I think he was being touted. He was around the Liverpool framework for a while at underage level, and there was a sense that maybe he would be fast tracked up the ranks. This is before Klopp really kicked into gear, and I think this has turned into a bit of a dynasty at Liverpool. But that's the difference, in my opinion, that, and that's the problem, really, that I'm not sure, and Kieran could probably speak to this, is there actually a disdain for Frank Lampard, or has this only grown in the last year amongst England football fans or English football fans, where I, the only reason I resented Lampard, and I use the word resent, probably not the correct word, because I don't resent him in, in that sense, but he didn't earn the job, mm-hmm. and he got the job to my earlier point, because of his playing career. And there were far more qualified English coaches, like to, to use that point, there were obviously far more coaches worldwide that were, would have done a better job. But that's the that's the gripe I would have personally when you see the likes of Paul Lins, who has served his time well in the lower leagues, did reasonable, like he, he got sort of catapulted into the Blackburn job ahead of his time and didn't succeed and now he can't get a job. And similarly, Sal Campbell, who had a comparative career to Frank Lampard in as much as he can as a central defender and had to start on literally the lowest rung in the English Football League by mm. I think it was Macclesfield who were rock bottom of League 2 at the time so that's the problem I would have with the Lampard thing and it will be interesting to see where he where he sort of lands next yeah I was I was thinking about this myself this morning and I kind of Kind of ties in with what you're saying there in terms of he didn't earn it, but I think it was also the lack of judgment from the English press and his friends in the media during his career there. Because at the time, and it goes with sort of the way that sports journalism has has gone without throwing digs at the, the media as a whole and generalizing the entire thing, but there's a lot of fandom these days when it comes to football media and the lack of criticism for Frank Lampard and it, it was the same for Steven, the likes of Steven Gerrard um, in his first two years at Rangers. Obviously, he's doing well now, but especially at Derby, there was there was a real lack of criticism and it was all like what Frank has done to revolutionise this club and he finished in the exact same place that the previous manager had finished in sixth and then following on from Sarri who had won the Europa League with Chelsea finished third and did a reasonably good job at building some sort of foundations there. And the amount of criticism he took as Chelsea manager in comparison to what Frank Lampard took in his first year is particularly what annoyed me about it. Yeah. um, I think that's the thing that you hear most often really with regard to Lampard um, is that there's this feeling of this kind of Lampard media industrial complex, like as in that there's such a two way street seemingly between some form of access to, you know, the top players with the likes of, well, journalists, I'm I'm not going to name for any reasons, but there's an obsequiousness there that I think actually just turns a lot of people off. And I I notice it, I think, particularly a lot more on this side of the water than, than in the UK. Um, so just to go back to Ronan's sort of earlier point of, of how England fans would generally view, view Lampard, 
Lampard, the whole Lampard-Gerrard thing was became such a meme before memes were a thing. Um, it was a thing where, you know, it was very clear that there was no way of playing them as a two in the centre center of midfield. So it became this constant running soap opera, um, which was easily fixed if you had a coach who would actually have taken that decision and, and dropped one of them. Um, but generally speaking, there's, there's kind of, you know, largely goodwill towards him. I, I, I kind of nothing him, and not in a negative sense. Like he's just, he's sort of, he's a, a reasonably dull person. But I was quite uh, intrigued to see how he would get on um, in management, and I think he did. He did fine at Derby. He certainly was over promoted at Chelsea. And to be honest with you, and to go back to Ronan's point there, when he's talking about Ince and, and and Campbell, it brought to mind the fact that. Half the battle with management is PR. Half the battle is is the media side of things, and obviously Lampard has his you know his acolytes within the media. But at the same time, uh, your players are listening to what you say. Uh, so if you throw them under the bus, the players are going to be pissed off with you. In the same way that Sol Campbell and Paul Lintz have, in a lot of ways, been their own worst enemies when it comes to um, to some of the things that they say with regard to uh, to managerial opportunities. Now, obviously, there's there's a separate issue there of um, being BAME, BAME, but like they're, half of that job is really keeping the me on message, and I think that's really where Lampard completely, frankly, lost the plot. Like he he was all over the place. It was embarrassing how quickly it became. Well, the players did this, the players did that. Well, one of the things that he should have learned really were like if he was under Mourinho, he's obviously under Mourinho for the majority of his, a lot of his career. First thing Mourinho would do is deflect, 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 deflect away from the players onto the refs, onto the management, or whoever it might be, and keep it away from players, keep that stuff in-house. The difference that we have now, you, you know, you could probably see a little bit of a parallel with, say, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer at United. He does not, like, Solskjaer does not throw players under the bus, even when he most certainly could do. Like, he should have absolutely, you know, he could have ruined players after that Spurs game and didn't do it. And I think there's no coincidence that um, ultimately a demise comes a lot quicker when you are quick to um, kind of embarrass yourself, frankly, PR-wise. Um, and I think, to be honest with you, if there's one lesson that Lampard will learn from this, this stint, it's probably that. Steven Gerrard had that problem in his first two years, but... I think the difference between Steven Gerrard and Lampard is that Gerrard got time and with time comes, firstly, you improve your players, you improve your squad if you're a good manager and you also mature as a person, as a manager and you know when and when not to hold your lip and when to when to go at the players. And Gerrard this year, he had a pr pretty much an open goal at the Scottish League because of how bad Celtic are and that comes into the third point on time maybe a Frank Lampard none of us really know whether Frank Lampard was improving things or not at Chelsea because they're pretty much in the same position as you would expect them to be anyway but given another year would they have won the league it's hard to know but maybe Lampard may have matured and knew and almost navigated the landscape of PR a lot better than he had in the last in the first two years of his management because that's ultimately where he, he makes some mistakes and you don't get that time at Chelsea. You wrote a piece for uh, offtheball.com or otbsports.com during the week here on about sort of the current uh, regime of management across Europe in terms of past players. And we're, we're getting to the age now where the players that we grew up watching are now managers. So 
the likes of Gerard Lampard, Scotty Parker, Pirlo at Juventus, Zidane at, at, at Real Madrid. How are they faring? Well, it's a mixed bag. Um, I think if you look at someone like Pirlo at Juve, um, uh, I'm, I'm not saying this is any kind of uh, anything other than a fan, an occasional watcher, but but he would appear as someone who was again over promoted. Um, James Horncastle was on with us about three or four months ago, talking about the fact that Pirlo effectively lucked into management insofar as he was like, I'm actually kind of at a loose end, so I might shoot into this uh, coaching course that they've got going on over here, and kind of figured out that he had a, a knack for it. But the fact is, he. Really shouldn't be there um i think the danger is of course that we kind of lump all people in um into one particular uh, you know uh, mass of people but look cumin um has obviously earned his and his stripes elsewhere i i i think his time at everton uh, i don't know it leaves it a little bit of a, a sour taste but there's a lot more going on at barcelona as well there um i i think the overall theme i suppose is that um, it really depends on the situation that you walk into and the personality that you have. And I think Kuhn is probably getting uh, a, a bit more of a pass from uh, the fact that there's an enormous dumpster fire just happening over his shoulder and everyone's kind of, you know, focused on that. Um, I think, you know, it's delightful really to see um, these success stories, uh, qualified as they may be in the likes of Solskjaer. And actually, I, I would, I'm starting to put in a qualified sense, Scott Parker into that mix as well. I think he actually um, would seem to me as, as a good bloke. He always seemed a studious player. He seemed someone who kind of grafted and got the most out of his uh, ability. And I'm starting to think that there's a lot more... Um, there's a lot more patience among Fulham, sorry, uh, Fulham fans for someone like Scott Parker. So, look, long story boring, it's pretty mixed bag. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah I, I love that about Scotty Parker because his team play exactly how you'd expect a Scotty Parker team to play, <laughs> even though that makes no sense. But you're just basing it off, what type of player would, was he? Yeah, he was He was nice, tidy. Was it was he amazing? No, but he was. He did a job and he did it well, and he stuck at it, and he he carved out a pretty good career. And you you almost expect him to do the exact same thing as a manager as well. Running your thoughts on that? Yeah, I know it's probably a trite thing to say, and it's you know we get into the realm of cliches, and some of them are becoming outdated. But one of them that will always be true is that the very elite players are going to find it difficult to manage lesser players because what they sort of was intrinsic in them in terms of their their inbuilt standards and what they brought to the table in training and in matches. They're just people with different mentalities that can't do that. And that probably struck a chord with Lampard, for example, where he's looking at certain players in that Chelsea team who are still on the rise and probably can't see himself in them. And that's why the likes of Zidane can can deal with a Real Madrid caliber side having basically walked off the street to take the job because you know, that's an elite level team. Like he had Cristiano, Cristiano Ronaldo at his apex and several other players besides. So you wonder how um, you wonder how Zidane would get on at Alaves or trying to get Deportivo back into La Liga, you know, that kind of way. I just, mm -hmm. I don't know whether that's going to be applicable to Lampard. Like is, is he realistically going to go back down to League One and, and take over the likes of Sunderland or something and try and get them promoted in the way Roy Keane did. And Roy Keane's an interesting one. I know Dan wrote a, a good piece on it over the weekend about it's, he's 10 years out of management and it just shows you can go a little bit stale in the management game. You can fall off the merry-go-round. Like Alan Kerbishley 
gets thrown into this mix a lot as he's on the rotation, but he's really not. Like he, no. he was at Charlton, did wondrous things there, went to West Ham next, did a very good job there as well. One of the great escapes of the Premier League. And then sort of fizzled out a little bit. He's had some sort of front office jobs, director of football jobs, but never really got back into the management game wholesale. And that's true of Roy Keane. I, like, I can't see an outlet for him. I can't see him unless it's like a low-key international job or the likes of Salford or something where he might get his foot in the door. But it's funny you mentioned the, the PR side of it and Lampard had an absolute nightmare with it. Gerard and you can speak to it, but like in his first season when they weren't winning anything, it seemed hilarious. Like he was, he was doing exactly what Lampard was doing, blaming the players at every turn. And I don't know if that's, has that changed now? Probably because they're running away with the league. He, he's in a position where he doesn't have to be doing those kinds of interviews. Yeah, well, but I that, think that, if you... I'm sorry, that, go on. That's, that's sort of what I meant by an open goal because he he hasn't had to criticise his players at all this year. All he had to do was literally keep his mouth shut and maybe aim a few digs towards Celtic and that was it. And he did that perfectly. Yeah. But even, even Neil Lennon, who's gone around the block... Did he start at Celtic as as a manager? Yeah, he started at the underage setup, and then his first job was the uh, first team manager after Tony Mowbray. Like he's so. Oh, sorry, after Ryan Dyla. He's someone who's shown that he's willing to to go around the block. Like he went to Bolton and and Hibs and landed back at Celtic. So I'm sure he's he's in it for the long haul at this stage. But the PR thing is is actually massive, as as we said. Like goals on Sunday is no longer a thing but I'd say there's an exact correlation between appearances on goals on Sunday and managerial <laughs> opportunities because back in the day like if Big Sam was out of work he was on there Kerbishley, Pardew Big Mick like Mick McCarthy he must every time he comes home from a from a sacking he must just have seven or eight envelopes in his door with like letters asking him to come join the club <laughs> because he's never had a job for more than a week yeah, I, I'm sticking Mick McCarthy on that list of Miracle Roy managers because he's back on it. He was off it for a while, and that's the point. You can you can you can fall off it, but you can get back on. He's got shares. In I think uh, he does. Yeah, he's got America around building business. Be honest, but he uh, the one of the things I think we do underestimate, and maybe we're a little bit more afraid with given the job that we do, is that a lot of um, a lot of the the machinations behind it with regard to keeping their name in the media. Um, particularly in the UK, it's very striking. Um, I remember someone I know used to work at TalkSport and they were having a discussion around a particular, I think it was a Premier League, lower league Premier League job. And uh, one of the presenters got a text from an unnamed out of, uh, out of work manager to say, oh, can you chuck my name into the mixer? So that, that, that stuff, it, it's pretty cynical. And I, I, I do wonder whether we're reaching a different stage with it now that, uh, say, the owners of a particular club aren't going to be, say, I don't know, Doug Ellis or Phil Gartside or something. They are, you know, the the, the oligarchs and the corporate uh, whiz kids. So I do wonder whether, um, you know, the, the same opportunities will be there for someone like Gerald and Lampard and Rooney. Now, obviously, the caveat there is that they're massive names. But, you know, management, it... it, it it doesn't. It doesn't hide your flaws for very long, um, as we've seen with with Lampard. So, I don't know. I'm not sure how much how much growth there's going to be for for people to to keep employing managers because they're they're a particular name. I think it's far more cold and ruthless than perhaps it once was. I think I don't know to what extent listeners are interested in it, but I do find the media side of it interesting. Where I think one of you touched on it there at the top that there is a divide between 
old football men and new football men, like the stats driven side of things, whereas the people who have those inbuilt relationships with the likes of Lampard and formerly Big Sam and these kind of guys where they get the benefit of the doubt. And it has been true, like we spoke with Jared Hulia following his passing, you know, very analytical guy and, and got the job more so off that than any strength of his playing career. And that's true of managers nowadays where like the, there's two notable examples in the last few years where Paul Merson's reactions to the signing or the appointment of Mauricio Pochettino at Southampton, where why is it always got to be a foreign manager? Pochettino in that instance actually had a, a good career, but then Marco Silva similarly came in and was lampooned like from the jump, but then literally or later built up his reputation. So I think there is sort of that interesting divide emerging now where there is, and Lampard for all that that, um, that press conference he did calling out the guy from the Athletic was like a PR disaster. He hit on an interesting point about this confirmation bias, which is so true, where people seem to have to make an opinion on a manager as soon as they're appointed. And everything that happens after that is an affirmation of what they thought or just in the delaying. They're just waiting for an opportunity to pounce on it. And it felt like when Lampard got the Chelsea job, justifiably, people were like, he's not qualified. It's never going to work. And it didn't. But Ole Gunnar Solskjaer got the same thing when he got the job. And nobody can say at the time that he was the best qualified man for the job. But that doesn't mean you can't give him credit for the job he's currently doing. And there seems to be a reluctance in the media to accept those things that they can they can both exist at the same time where he might not have been the best candidate, but he's doing a good job. And I think there has to be a bit more give and take in that regard from the media. I think it comes with the idea that flip flopping is a bad idea is a bad thing as well, because if you had that, and that comes with social media as well. And how, how many times? I mean, Miguel Delaney from the Independent is a real man for this, uh, for having people send him old tweets of old opinions that he had a year and a half ago. And he always, nearly always responds saying, yeah, but on further investigation, I was wrong here. Mm. And uh, he, he proved me wrong. For example, like say the Solskjaer stuff, most people said he was going to be a failure and he's still not a success. But just because you thought he was a, fa a failure back then doesn't mean you cannot give him a compliment now. Yeah, but if you, yeah, you, I you, think you game it out a little bit and say Solskjaer, say, for example, Solskjaer wins the league this year in a quite unreal season where think factors are not what they normally are. And next season, it doesn't go as well. They're like seventh at Christmas and United decide, right, we're getting rid of him. That doesn't mean Solskjaer was a failure at Man United, but you just know that people would be like, oh, well, it didn't work out. But on the face of it, if Solskjaer can deliver Manchester United a league title in isolation, this season that means it was it, it worked out well so i just think people people will find a way to be proven right one way or another in my opinion just the way time is the what it is and i can't see i don't think Solskjaer is going to be there until the end of time so there will come a point where he's relieved of his duties and at that point you're going to get the the people you know will come out and and sort of acclaim that they were right from the from the beginning yeah, and what I would say as well is that like there's a few factors that go into a successful management stint, and like conditions and timing, and kind of you know the the particular ebb that a club is at at that point, and the type of personality and all sorts. And like as much as you know, I don't really have all that much time for Lampard. Like I I wouldn't wish him any ill, and like I, I as in I, I quite like to see him go on and, and build up a reputation that is not. 
as we've obviously discussed in the, in the course of this conversation, built on just his name. Um, and it's interesting because, like, when you think about those kind of factors, even though Solskjaer is is starting to, you know, I think generally there are a lot of positives that you can pick out from his management. You do wonder whether he could go to another club and do that, or whether the conditions mm. are just right because he knows the club so well and all the usual, you know, stuff that goes with uh, Solskjaer and United. But um, you know, I, I I do think I do genuinely think that we are in a slightly different era to to even one of maybe 10 15 years ago when it comes to the patience that um that clubs have with managers of a certain ilk and because i mean you only have to look at someone like Pardew, who obviously Pardew like once and i realized this was relatively recently but the west brom job after that it was, it was done you're you're not you're not getting a top flight job again like it's just that there's obviously a tipping point where people just go well, I mean, it remains to be seen. Like, it could be, could be announced that the new Sheffield Giant manager in, in three months. But um, yeah, I, I just, um, I, I would hope that managers are, are appointed at least on to some nod to their ability. Yeah, like the merry-go-round exists for a reason because these guys come in and do a job. Then that job might only be required for six months, and if six months is all it takes, there's no point in keeping them there if somebody else can develop the club to a point where they don't need to employ these people. But uh, before we finish up, let's talk about the merry-go-round and what it takes to be on it. <laughs> because there's a there's a specific DNA of a merry-go-round manager. So uh, before we start, we're, we're talking about Sam Allardyce, Alan Pardew, Mark Hughes. Um, we'll, we'll throw in Curbs as well because Alan Curbs was on it once upon a time. Mick McCarthy is back on it. He's back on the horse, back on the merry-go-round. So what is the first real thing that you need as a manager to be on this merry-go-round? You need a generic first name. You need a Sam, an Alan, uh, a Mick, a Mark. Like you can't, not a bloody Giovanni's or anything like that. Your car uh, so that would be the first one. I um, I also think, as as I kind of alluded to, you need Talksport on on speed dial as well. If uh, things are <laughs> if a job opens up, Allardyce was straight on the blower, uh, you know. So that's also one one factor too. Don't know if Ronan has any thoughts. No, I think the media one is massive, isn't it? Like the Harry Redknapp, that image of him hanging out the the door of his car on transfer deadline day, like. Media love a soundbite and they're happy to to peddle those kind of names to try and keep them in the rotation. And I think that is a massive one. And it is just familiarity, isn't it, really? If you can just keep rattling through jobs, you're going to just keep in the mix. You're going to be top of mind. And it's true of those guys we mentioned where Tony Pulis and Alan Pardew in particular, just like their the frequency of their appointments, sort of the likes of Allardyce, of all the managers we mentioned, you can almost pick their keystone job. Like with Allardyce, it was Bolton, um, and with Kerbishley, it was Charlton, these kind of things. Whereas the likes of Mick McCarthy at a push, you might say, Sunderland, but you know, there's a few there. Like he, he did a good job at Wolves, obviously, synonymous with Ireland as well. So I think it is sort of, it's just being top of mind and having that media charm is the, is the most important pillar, I think. Two things that I want to throw in there the uh, my way or the highway kind of attitude that they have. So 
obviously we've we've heard a lot about Big Sam and from Damien Delaney especially if if you don't do it his way you're out the door and sort of I think most of these managers have a style that they will play no matter what team they go to as opposed to adjusting it to suit the players that they, they have in their hands so Steve Bruce, for example, we knew exactly what type of football we were getting with him. Same with Sam Allardyce. Mark Hughes and Alan Pardew play a sort of more expansive brand of this, but it's still very much rigid and you do what I say and and if you don't, you're out of the team. And the second one that I would like to throw in there is a love for very specific players who will follow you around to every club that you go to. <laughs> and the best example of this is obviously Nico Cranchard for higher end up. That's yeah, it is. I'm just trying to think of. I'm trying to think of who uh, Allardyce's would be. I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I really shouldn't have said that out loud because I've now made a fool of myself. But uh, yeah, the Cranshaw one's ridiculous. Can I be? Can I be very controversial and say be a Brexiteer? Yeah, there's a real there's a real bang of get it done off uh, a lot of these lads. Um, I don't think you're going to see any kind of flowery uh, liberal types in there, but you never know. You never know. Like even, and I don't wish to go slating for it, but Lampard's a bit of <laughs> Lampard's nailed his blue colours to the flag many a time as well. Very odd. But, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a sort of a keep calm and carry on attitude that they, they still have. So before we finish up then, anything else you just want to touch on in terms of Lampard or this general ilk of football manager? Uh, I, I, I'm not necessarily against it, actually. <laughs> I think it, like, it gives you something to moan about. It's like it's kind of like the North Star of football. Like it's always there. You can always rely on it. Like you know, as soon as a, a, a league, uh, sorry, a club outside of the top eight uh, losing manager, you're going to see. If you've got the top ten betting, you're, you're seeing Hughes, Allardyce. You're seeing maybe a push pards. Uh, ten years ago, it was always Kerbishly number one, <laughs> just falling away. Um, but I, I, I would. I'd have higher hopes, actually, I think, management-wise of, say, someone like um, Wayne Rooney uh, than than some others out there. I think Rooney's always shown a fairly key... You know, we saw from... I know it's a small slice, but that Monday night football appearance, he's got a little bit of an analytical eye. And I think, really, if you can just keep that ego in check and, as Ronan talked about earlier, keep that idea that, you know, you're not going to be able to relate to poorer players Mm -hmm. under control, then... You know, there's a lot to be said for those lads as well. This is a widely unresearched view, but I think that a key factor in this is if you look at the players who go on to be managers and look what they were like as players. So Steven Gerrard, Frank Lampard, both of them played in one position. They had a specific type of game, but generally they couldn't vary it over overly. Like you couldn't play... Steven Gerrard on the right wing because he wouldn't be as effective or Frank Lampard playing him as a, as a left winger because he was coming from DP at a specific game plan. But say the likes of Rooney, for example, you knew that if you even if you stuck him left back, he knew that position well enough of what to do and he would be intelligent enough to, to fit in there. And someone that springs to mind for me who I think is going to be a fantastic manager and he's working his way through the ranks at the minute is John O'Shea because... He played every single position and he knew exactly what to do in every position as well. It's sort of a tactical intelligence as opposed to sheer footballing ability. Yeah. 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 No, I'd agree with that. 
I think it is. It's a cliche because it's true. The thing about the elitist mindset. I think Darren Fletcher is another one I think might do well where that sort of adaptation to different positions and having to work on your game and really think about your position and what you bring to the table. You're just more disposed to being analytical and probably serves him better. I know he's like to do it the right way in inverted commas. I'm not sure what exactly that is, but I think at the bare minimum, you need to coach your way up, whether that be underage at a top club before getting the main job. There will be rare instances where you're parachuted into the into the big job and do well. But the Lampard one, and I have to say, like the, the Thomas Tuchel thing, he will be a success, but there's just a, it's so impersonal. It's like an it's like a football manager auto generation appointment where you, you know, he just he was of course he was gonna get the job because mm-hmm. he's the best available candidate. Whereas when Lampard took over with the transfer ban uh, looming like people were just automatically more interested in it to see how he would do. And similarly to the point I was making about Solskjaer, like I think getting top four last year was a success for Lampard and he was almost a victim of that success in that it sort of got Abramovich interested again. He spotted an opportunity where (laughs) other teams weren't spending. He pumped 250 million euro into the project and Lampard wasn't able to get the same tune out of the likes of Havertz and Werner that he was getting out of Pulisic and uh, Mason and Tammy. So it's it's ironic how it played out. I think you can look at Lampard's first season and think he did he did quite a good job, but he was never cut out to be turning Chelsea back into title contenders, and that ultimately spelled the end for him. Yeah, the the real victim here is Mason Mount. To be fair, that's that's who's going to suffer. I'm Declan Rice from this. I'm Rice. Ah, stop! I know, but uh, I mean, it just goes to show, like, if you give a manager. A, a manager can rebuild his brand like David Moyes. David Moyes is West West Ham in the top four at the minute. Like, all it takes is for the right job to come at the right time for any of these merry-go-round round managers, and they can rebuild their reputation. So Frank Lampard, you're safe for now. You'll probably get the West Ham job in a few years' time when Moyes' reputation is gone again. But Roman Mullen, Kieran Bradley, that's all we have time for. Thanks for joining me today. Cheers, lads. Cheers, lads. Team 33. This is OTB Sports Radio. Now that's all we have time for on this week's Team 33. Thanks as ever to you for listening. That is the last show of January. If you want to listen back to any of January's shows, you can get it in the OTB Podcast Network. Just search Team 33 and you can subscribe there as well and get notified every time there's a new podcast live as well. Thanks for listening again. We'll be back again the same time, same place next week. Until then, take away Johan. Johan. <laughs>